Hey folks, welcome back to uh, another episode of the Gambit Stratagem podcast, video and or audio. So if you're watching this on video, hello, nice to see you. If you're listening to us, hello also, nice nice to be heard. <laughs> that's, that's a good I'm Andrew one. Nice Essig. Sean Crocker. <laughs> um, today we're going to... we're. Uh, as always, we're kind of trying some different stuff with a podcast, kind of kind of finding our audience and seeing what, what works and, and what doesn't. So we're going to kind of boil it down, focus on really one topic yeah. for now, I think, as we move forward. But as always, let us know in uh, the comments of whatever avenue you're listening to us on or watching us on uh, what, you wanna, what you like, what you don't like, and uh, what you want to see in the future. But we want to talk about competing and competing not necessarily, I would say, sub, sub-professionally. Um, competing yeah. at the average individual's level. I'm going to crack a crispy boy real quick. Cracking a crispy boy. Um, but Sean and I just went out and competed at a local competition. Uh, As the righteous strata gemstones. The righteous strata gemstones. Um, <laughs> which no one understood. No, not one person. And I had to write our team name on the scorecard every time because <laughs> the judge would say, what's your team name? And we'd say, righteous strata gemstones. And he'd go, can you just write this for me? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to spell that. Uh, what's <laughs> internally got a lot? Not of even strata gemstones. They couldn't even get through righteous. So that's maybe another. <laughs> to be fair, righteous is a hard word to spell. That's, is it? Mm. <laughs> 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 Who could say? <laughs> Apparently, hard to, hard to say. Uh, but yeah, I, I, mean, I, had, I had the conversation several times with people over the weekend, um, uh, really over the day. I mean, yeah. what was great about that competition, local competition uh, hosted by Uncharted CrossFit. Competition Pretty, has been around for a long time. Yeah, been around for a while. And yeah. as I said in a uh, kind of Instagram post, I'm like, it's really, as somebody who's been doing this for over a decade, mm-hmm. it's kind of one of the last, like kind of true local comps left in the area. And I think a lot of people. And I actually wanted to ask you about that. Like what, what is, what about uh, Backlot Bout kind of speaks to you as the last kind of like old yeah. school CrossFit local comp? So yeah, we'll start there. Like what, what did it, what was it like when I got into, like when I got into CrossFit over a decade ago, there were like a lot of, there was a lot of energy and buzz around kind of the competition side of things. Sure. A lot of people were throwing their hats into the ring with like hosting comps. There were, it seemed like there were half a dozen pretty solid competitions within two to three hours, like mm-hmm. a day's a day's drive or so. Um, Heart of America HOA comp down at uh, mm-hmm. Springfield was kind of yeah. just getting up and going, and that's now a pretty massive yeah, thing. Yeah, that's and a it big seems one. like over time, uh, these competitions have either grown to like an HOA type thing or they've kind of fizzled out. Yeah. And what I've seen is um, not unlike CrossFit gyms themselves, I think people struggle to put a good price point on these things. Yeah, because they're not one. cheap. They're, they're not they're cheap and they can't, they can't, be, yeah, they're, they're expensive to run. And they, it's like when you go out and sign up for a marathon, like I think those are pretty expensive. Mm, isn't, I isn't can't like, tell you I've ever signed up for a race. I want to say people spend like $100 or more to sign up for a marathon. Yeah, and they get, get a, thousands of people to show up for these yeah. things. Hundreds. And when you have a CrossFit comp, you're looking at like 100 people maybe. Yeah. That's, a, that's like a, a larger one. Um, and we don't all have the facilities to host huge competitions. Yeah. Um, you're trying to get volunteers to come out and judge. The judging can be not great. I mean, it's, it's yeah. difficult for CrossFit to judge. Mm. Like, they catch flack for judging at the kind of uh, semifinal mm-hmm. slash regional, even games level, when yeah. they've got 
CrossFit level one, CrossFit level two um, coaches doing the judging, even even seminar staff, and they take flack. So you can imagine just your average gym goer volunteering. Um, there was also, for the longest time, there were like, I think a lot of people were trying to get in on the ground floor of CrossFit and kind of ride the coattails. Sure. So you had companies like, I think again, Faster's still around, but they're not Loosely, they're not yeah. what they used to be, I don't think, but they were yeah. an up and coming kind of equipment company. Rogue was kind of just starting out, isn't like the, the absolute behemoth it is now. Yeah. Um, there were like our first pull-up rig was from a company called Axum, and I think they're still around, but Loosely, they were- Loosely, yeah. There's yeah, ride and equipment. These, I mean, there's, yeah. Yeah, and these companies, companies were really eager to get exposure. So they're all yeah. donating use of equipment. They were donating equipment donating actual equipment. They were giving out prizes. Were, these comps were giving away $1,000 here, $500 there. They were giving away bags and all kinds of stuff. And that seems to have kind of dried up a little bit because I, I, my hypothesis is that I don't think the, the pool is as big as people were hoping it would be with CrossFit. It's still a relatively niche thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of companies were like, this is my ticket to, to get big. And yeah, you've seen like a no-bowl Mm-hmm. rise up you've seen Killcliff rise up kind of riding riding CrossFit's coattails but they had to get up to that games level so with these local comps it's like uh, like Progenix is another one what happened to Progenix they were like the title sponsor of the CrossFit games yeah. and it was like it used to it used to be like you'd call Killcliff and Progenix whoever and they would just send you no questions asked oh you're hosting a comp we'll send you a box full of stuff to give away yeah and that's kind of um, companies would bring out oh you're hosting an outdoor competition we'll bring out a pull up rig and a bunch of equipment if you just promise to put our names on your shirts and do all that. Well, now you have to rent a pull-up rig yeah. um, you know, for 1500 bucks for the day or something. Hmm. So t- times have just changed a lot, um, but that's kind of the logistics side of it. But from an experience side, um, like guys that I used to um, train with and know really well that, that run other gyms, um, and I think this is more about the whole scheme of things, not these specific individuals, but I'm friends with guys that, that own other CrossFit gyms or that were in the past were working at other CrossFit gyms. Um, we'd go out and train at each other's gyms. We used to do a Friday Night Lights where we would have a bunch of people come work out at our gym mm-hmm. or we'd go to somebody else's gym and we were all aspiring athletes or new gym owners or whatever. And there was just a lot of like, and we, and we were younger and we were super committed to what we were doing. So it's, you know, it's a different time, but I yeah. just think now, you know, I, I barely know a lot of the other gym owners yeah. in the area. And I go out to this competition. I'm one of the older people there at going on 40. I definitely wasn't the oldest, but I'm one of the older ones. Right. And the guys that I used to compete with are nowhere to be seen. Right. I think um, you ran into one or two yeah. while we were out there. And like, I know specifically one of the guys I used to compete against once in a while now just coaches, but I think yeah. he's gotten more into weightlifting um, than actual CrossFit mm-hmm. competing. So it's like, hey man, you ever gonna come out and compete sometime? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so it's, it's interesting. And you know, some of the people we were competing with, you know, wanna say like, uh, the, the programming wasn't perfect or the judging wasn't perfect. I'm kind of like, you know, this is just somebody running a small business. Yeah. Trying to put a competition together for fun. Like when you win, you got some crappy backpack from <laughs> the Reebok outlet yeah. filled with some supplements or something. It's like, you're not taking home. You're not even getting your money back. Right. Not to say like. You should or anything. You it's should. Just, I just yeah. like, who, you know, we're just here for fun. Like, yeah. it, who cares? Yeah. I think so. Like the reason I ask is like, this is my 
I think maybe third ever CrossFit competition. Like obviously, like I've been in the CrossFit space for five, six years now, uh, but I've just never kind of competed for lack of desire, want to, yeah. for because it's super stressful. Because I would rather coach than compete, but. Yeah. I don't have that same perspective. I think when you look kind of touch on like the programming side of things, you also have to realize like what is the purpose of this competition or this body of testing, Yeah. right? It's not to progress someone to the CrossFit games. It's not to literally do anything other than just get a bunch of CrossFitters in a room yeah. together and have fun. And I was going to say maybe that's part of it because there was also a shift. You also used to see a lot more individual competitions locally. Yeah. And the kind of, I feel like those are very rare. Yeah, they kind of shift away from that because it's not as fun. And I told somebody like, I don't, I don't think I would sign up for an individual competition yeah. because I like the team thing where I could kind of get out, work hard, sure. get, uh, get in, work really hard, mm -hmm. get out. Um, and that, that, that works really well for my fitness level and for my, yeah. um, you know, I can do a a full day competition at 39 years old, I'm not wasted the next day. Like I'm yeah, sore. I, I, I didn't work out. Sore. <laughs> I was pretty, pretty sore, sore. But, but I'm like, I'm not, I've been, right. I've been much worse. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. And it's just more fun to have a team. Like yeah. it's, there's less pressure. You get more you. people to sign up, you get more people to sign up. I think it was interesting to me seeing teams of four. I think like a lot of times yeah. I, you'll see teams of two or teams of three. I think teams of four is a little bit more uncommon these days. But I think well, I was, personally, I, was say, was, I think teams of three is less common. Really? Yeah. But I don't really. Uh, Corey, uh, Anderson, andor Clark, to chime in on the comments and let us know because <laughs> you're the you're the person, that, you're the uh, competition liaison. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I feel like I see partners or, or teams of four more yeah. often. Okay. Uh, but either way, yeah, you're not seeing individual stuff. Right. Uh, but I used to do. There was an, a competition called the Great Lakes Invitational, and I would take. I competed in one time, I think, but I took Kelly to several times, and that was kind of like, you'd actually see some good athletes, some, hard some people that were gonna go on to regionals and potentially the games. Um, and Kelly won that one year, and uh, that was out in uh, Indiana. That was like, uh, that was kind of a big, a bigger deal. Like they ended up renting a venue one year, a couple of years they were in their own gym and they did like a 5k run outside. Kind of more like, I think modern day like that kind of sounds like the HOA is kind of reminiscent of that. Yeah, this um, wasn't near that size, but that, it was also okay. an individual comp. Um, I also like, used to kind do like, like, how like Monster Games is doing individual this year. Are they? I think for the first time. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, because like Joel and Corey yeah. are doing that. Are they all doing individual then? Uh, Joel and Corey are, um, and I don't know if I don't know who else is going uh, as an individual. It's coming up pretty quickly. I know it's we like got a handful of weeks. people. Yeah, I know we um, have a couple of folks in their their teams of two division. Yeah, I used to do. Um, Jared Stevens hosted a competition that I talk about all the time uh, when we talk about this stuff. Shredfest. That was one of my favorite ones, and it's, mm -hmm. it's down in Springfield. And um, he's you know he's kind of a notable. People, yeah. people know him, and he, he was able to bring in some, some decent athletes because it was like they, they had, you know, you have somebody who's an athlete of note, you kind of trust that the program is going to be yeah. better or, uh, or good, and the competition's going to be well-run. And he ran it in his gym, which is not a huge facility, and it wasn't a huge competition. If I had to estimate, there were probably 30, like, individual male athletes, 30 female athletes around thereabouts. Yeah. That's a good size, though. Um, it was a great yeah. size, and he uh, would had an agreement with, there was like a um, martial arts studio or something uh -huh. next door, so he would like rent their space for like a uh -huh. warm-up area and athlete hangout area, so yeah. it actually worked really well. And I did okay there a couple of years, and I actually got destroyed other years, because I, I just was always like, 
freakishly good at a few Certain things. things, yeah. Like power cleans and pull-ups. It was like, <laughs> there's some hang power clean workout. It was like hang power cleans and pull-ups. Yeah. At 155. And I'm like decimating my heat. <laughs> and I end up in, in the, the final heat on going into day two as a two-day comp. And I'm like, you know, Jared says, hey, man, like really good job today. And I was like, man, I, I got to tell you, I don't belong in this final heat. <laughs> like I had a really good first day, but that's going to change. Um, and I'm in a heat with like uh, Jeff Evans was there, which okay. if you don't know who Jeff Evans is, I will tell you in a strength event. I heard a lot of cheering while I was cleaning, and I thought maybe people were cheering for my 325 power clean. They were cheering for Jeff Evans's 405-pound power clean. <laughs> power clean. Turns out it wasn't. It was me. a deep power clean, but it was a power clean. Like the guy is freaky strong, yeah. and I was over the moon to hit. Uh, it was like three. I don't remember what it was. It was in the 300. Something yeah. very impressive for for someone of my level. But it was just like, oh man, this guy almost hit a hundred pounds more yeah. than me. Um, and I and. Daniel, I remember I was in the heat with Daniel Tominski one time, who's like an OG games athlete, really good. Jacob Hepner was there a few times. Um, so, yeah, I was just way out of my league, yeah. basically. But it was really fun. Um, it, I thought it was a well-run comp, and I think he gave away 1000 or 1400 bucks awesome. or something. So for a good athlete to win, I think Kelly won one year. It was worth the trip yeah. Uh, yeah. down. And I, you know, he stopped running that, and I presume, like you said, it's it's – it's an expensive proposition, mm -hmm. and it's tough to make business sense. And it's stressful. Like really outside stressful. of like the financial investment you have to go into yeah. a comp with, it's the emotional investment is. I can only imagine. Like so I've I, helped run smaller comps, just like Max Effort Mardi Gras. Like yeah. my old facility, we used to do a competition that I'd help with, and it was it's just stressful. Well, like, and the thing that I tell people to be to be brutally honest about it, it's like we pull in when we run Max Effort Mardi Gras. It was never an event where I was like, we're going we're gonna to make a ton of money yeah. off this thing. But we charge uh, like 50 bucks a person, basically, I think, or thereabouts, about 100 bucks for a partnership. It yeah. seems like, oh, it's a one-day thing. It seems like a lot. And then we charge for spectator passes as well because yeah. it's Mardi Gras. It's a, a unique event where, like, you can't get into any building in Soulard during Mardi Gras for free. It's like everybody's- And you get beer, like you get beer tickets. Yeah, so we, we fire up a grill, we buy yeah. a bunch of meat, but also, you know, we pull in like, I forget what we pulled in last year, something like 3,500 bucks or $4,000, which seems like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Well, we had $1,500 worth of t-shirts. Yeah. So that's right off the top, 1,500 bucks. And then, you know, you got another several hundred dollars. So it's like, you end up more like, under 2k like 1800 bucks or something after you subtract all your expenses yeah. and then you got you myself kelly who all put in a couple weeks worth of mm -hmm. time into it suzanne's in on the retail side you got you know we bring kathleen in to help do logos and Even design work and all that stuff in, we clean the entire day cleaning crew comes through so you know at the end of the day we're all walking away with like a couple hundred bucks yeah. and if i think if we broke down our hourly rate it, we'd be <laughs> we we'd be depressed be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um and I mean, worth it. It's a ton of fun, but like, I guess to kind of yeah. wrap that up, like, it's a labor of love. Like, you have to, you have to really enjoy it can the process. Be. Um, and so, if we ever did another competition, which, you know, I think after doing this, it's just I've kind of, I'm kind of talking about it more. And we've, we've always, I've always kind of like fantasized about doing another competition, but it would have to be expensive. Yeah. Um, it would, it, but, but I don't think we would do it unless it was really a legitimate competition. Right. Like, I would want to have a little bit of prize money on the line um, I'd like to draw in some some decent athletes sure. uh, I'd like to have some sponsors on board uh, make it a good competition but it would 
you know, there's just a lot of logistics there. But yeah. Having run a gym for 12 or 13 years or wherever we're at now, like I, I have, I feel like I do have a pretty good handle on what, what those numbers would need sure. to look like. So we may toss it around, but yeah. any case, that's, that's kind of the history of mm. what competition cool. has been like. And uh, so like, why, like, should you compete? Why should I compete? And you know what, what the conversation I had on Saturday with a few people was like, I had a, I had a really good time. And part of the reason is it's kind of like when, when people are runners, they'll go sign up for like a 5k or a half marathon or something, just cause it's like, I just want to do something with the fitness I've yeah. been building. And it's the same concept. Like you don't have to plan to go out and win. And I, for our team, you know, you and I, we called ourselves the B team, yeah. which we were, uh, <laughs> after we, we kind of signed up and then we heard who, the who was team. on the other team. Was like, oh, we're the, we're the B team. Um, I thought, <laughs> cause I've been before I was, I was on a team last year with Kelly Clayton and, mm. uh, Corey. Okay. And we were very much the A team. Yeah. Um, and I was, I'm sure the weak link on that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, again, in a team kind of environment like that, I'm able to kind of hide, yeah. hide my weaknesses a little bit. And God forbid if a sumo dead high pull or a ring dip comes out, Oof. let's watch out. Bad day to be a sumo <laughs> high pull. Um, so yeah, we were very much the B team, but we went away really happy with our performance yeah. because like we always talk about, we talk about this at the, at the Granite Games with our, with our truly our A team, execution and maximizing uh, your ability, like, did we walk away from that event knowing, you know, let's not try to get hung up on, and I, I think this is true if you're winning or losing. Yeah. Like, I think, I think somebody like Matt Frazier would say the same thing, or yeah. Tia Toomey would say the same thing. I'm not that concerned about what everyone else is doing. I'm yeah. concerned about what I'm doing. For sure. Did I do my best? And that's why sometimes you'll see a Tia decimate the field by three minutes or barely win an event because she's not so much focused. Like, yeah, occasionally you're going to look to your left and right and see who's there, but I think for the most part, they're blinders on. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a difference in competitors. So like, you look at, like, Rich Froning, he was always, like, just one step ahead. Yeah. His whole career. Like, he never had to work that much harder. But then, you do, like, you kind of brought up Matt and Tia. It's like, they are always just focused on themselves and doing their absolute best in yeah. whatever the event is, whether they're 100 points in the lead or they're in last place. Yeah. And I, I like to make that the goal for us and our, our yeah. teams as well. And that was, that was our goal on Saturday was you know, somebody asked me, well, what place are we taking that event? I have no idea. Yeah. I didn't even look at the leaderboard. Yeah, and that's All I know like, is I'm happy with our That was an old, like, uh, Ben Bergeron thing that I remember him used to always talking about. It's like, don't leaderboard. Like, whether it's oh, open yeah. or games or whatever, it's like, yeah. are you doing your best? That's all that matters. Like, the leaderboard will gonna, stick out. It's, yeah. You can't control what's on the leaderboard. And you're going to see, I mean, Kelly and I would leaderboard a little bit during the open when we were, when we were worried about her making the cut. Yeah. way back in the day and then obviously we'd leaderboard a little bit at, at regionals but it was like for the most part at regionals we tried not to talk about it because yeah. the open's very different because you get like a whole week to think about sure. what your next event is going to be and, and they've kind of changed that now but and at regionals also, it was like, like very different two very days different end goals too it's like we are just doing yeah. a day comp that's her season that's her her sure and i know they're like gig. the first time she made it i know there was an event that was it was like 42 um so loud um it was like 42 pull-ups i think and like eight super heavy overhead squats i think that was the whole workout and it was like kelly needs to beat these three or four other women that are in close contention with her and you know i remember we just looked at it and she was like i was kind of like i don't know if you should do those pull-ups on i know you can do those pull-ups on broken but man i don't want you to drop that yeah. that barbell and 
uh, that was one of those instances where she said, I'm going to send it. Like, we kind of talked about it, and she was kind of like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then when she went out there, she just went unbroken, un <laughs> unbroken. And uh, I don't know if she won the, I think she won her heat and or the event and beat exactly who she needed to, and all the chips fell into place. Um, and it's a whole, whole other story, because at first they announced that she didn't win. Oh, it was that. Or didn't that make year. it, and then they had to come back and say she did. Yeah. But it was like, she luckily went against my advice and went just unbroken and sent it. Um, but that was because she needed, she knew it was like, hey, Back this, is, this is do yeah. or die right now. I know where I'm at on the leaderboard. Um, but yeah, we, we like to keep our, our blinders on. And I like to, you know, we took fifth out of seventh for, for our team. But I walked away super happy with oh, that yeah. because I wasn't looking at where we were on the leaderboard. I was, all I was looking at is what we were doing and did we execute. And like, yeah. like you said um, earlier, uh, Christine was really worried about doing single arm dumbbell thrusters at 50 pounds and yeah. ended up just smashing them. Yeah, so like even like for, for everyone listening, like up to that point, we had tested the workout once, kind of. Like when I say kind of, like I had done my full run, Christine had gotten to the dumbbell, but like we had talked about maybe doing like a 35 pound dumbbell <laughs> or a 50 pound dumbbell, but just doing push presses. She ended up kind of in the middle of the workout deciding to do something that no one had suggested at all, so she had a, it was a whole thing. <laughs> um, but like, you know, I bring that up because like she had, to my knowledge, since the workout was announced, she had not done a single 50 pound thruster because, or maybe she had done one or two, but yeah. struggled hard. It's, yeah. So like in the, you know, going into that workout, it was a really, really, really fast workout. Like I think my time was 240. Um, you basically had to run through 30 slash 25 cal ski, 20 single arm thrusters, and 10 burpee box jump overs. Little sprinter. Yeah, it's a, you know it's a blackout send it kind of workout. Yeah. And like we, so Christine was our closer. I went, Andrew went, um, Chelsea went. We all did what we needed to do. We were all sub three minutes or right around. And Christine was genuinely concerned on whether she was going to finish or not. And she yeah. came in, I think this is kind of what you're getting into, is like the adrenaline, like she knocked out an unbroken set on one arm, set the dumbbell down, went for it, failed, or barely eked out the lockout yeah. on like rep six, set it down. So yeah. she went six, four on her weak side, which yeah. is, I mean, a massive PR, not necessarily for like total weight or anything, but the ability just to move that weight for that amount of reps with that yeah. speed. Yeah, and that's kind of what what I got in the notes is like, um, what you know, why should I compete? And usually when I talk, especially when Mardi Gras comes around, people are kind of like, why should I sign up for a competition? I'm like, well, first of all, Mardi Gras is not really. You know, <laughs> uh, it's what you know. I've been I've been subtitling it St. Louis's least legitimate yeah. competition, which I think is accurate. Every um, year, someone gets mad about something though. <laughs> yeah, still, people you know, but. Uh, not our members, by the way. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, usually people coming from out of town, just not, not, still not 100% sure what they're getting into. Um, but why should I compete? And like you mentioned, kind of highlighting strengths and weaknesses. And that's mm -hmm. cool. Um, not just like we talked about running, going out and running a 5K. It's like, yeah, you're, you're going to run a 5K and find out how you stack up against other people. But you might. So that Shredfest example I used earlier, did really well on day one, came out day two, there was deficit handstand push-ups. Stopped me dead in my tracks. <laughs> Absolutely, the wheels came off. <laughs> was not just the whole field just passed me yeah. by while I'm hacking away at two or three deficit handstand push-ups at a time. Um, so you could, you know highlight those strengths and weaknesses. Um, but also like and to that to comment on that is, and we see this every year with the open people getting PRs or first movements like a you know 
uh, Danny got her first bar muscle up this year. Like you see yeah. that stuff all the time. That's not something you're gonna get in your general class. That's the adrenaline aspect. Yeah, and that's what I tell people. Why I go like, I just don't push myself that hard. Absolutely. Even not. during the open, it's hard. Yeah. Like I, I'll sign up for the open every year because it is, it is giving me an. Even if I know I'm not as fit as I was the year before, I just know that. I'm going to work harder in these open workouts than I do, and that's going to that's going to benefit my overall training because I'm not I'm not a lazy person. I just don't like pain. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I told people like for going so to that long. dark place yeah, is I've, just not. My I've always said thing. like my goal in CrossFit is to be fit enough to where I don't have to try very hard and can still be somewhat competitive. Yeah. It's like I don't like blocking um, out or you know. So some I people like, have that. I don't. I like a reason to go there once in a while. Yeah. And it, it kind of comes back to the whole cyclical thing when we talk about programming, like, you know, hey, we got, we got, kind of got through competition season, this backlot bout came around, I was like, hey, I'm in the mood, to, I don't always want to sign up for competition, but like, hey, I'm in the mood, I'll do one, at least I'll do one every year. Yeah. Um, and that, that adrenaline aspect, like, you know, you talk about testing that ski thruster, uh, I had kind of a similar situation where my, my elbow's a little, my left elbow's a little junky and have trouble locking out any dumbbell overhead, especially yeah. a 70, single arm thruster. So I was kind of dreading that workout. Didn't really fully test test it straight through because I just knew, I you, you saw I did kind of an EMOM mm-hmm. with the same movements, a short EMOM, because I just knew it's gonna be what it's gonna be. You know how it's, it's gonna, gonna hurt. Feel. I know yeah, how it's gonna feel. I know roughly how long it's gonna take. I'd rather not know yeah. going into <laughs> it. I just wanna make sure I'm comfortable with the movements and the yeah. weight and I'll just. And then, uh, yeah, we went into it and I thought, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna kinda control it on the ski a little bit and then I watched you go and you just blew it out and I thought okay well I guess we're blowing it out I <laughs> so know that and then uh, I went way harder on the ski than yeah. I was expecting to and and the wheels did not come off yeah I, uh, I mean I had the it, same experience too. and it went well yeah so like in testing I think I'd done I had completed that workout in like 320 323 somewhere in there um, and I had very like deliberate pacing going into that and then just having talked to our team it's like okay well I'm gonna have to go a lot harder so that Christine has as much time as she can because she's not yeah. super confident. Yeah. Ended up being, like, it all worked out great, but yeah. I had skied numbers that I'd never seen on a skier before. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I couldn't really tell you what happened after, like, the first 10 pulls on the ski handles. Like, it's just dark place. Yep. Um, but, just I mean, it worked it out. out great, and I think I ended up getting, like, a 40-second PR um, yeah. from testing to actually competing. Yeah, and I didn't have a PR, so um, <laughs> it worked out great for me. But that leads into what my last point about it was going to be, was like supporting the team. Yeah. And I, I love that because um, I didn't really play team sports growing up. Yeah. I did you? No, I played baseball up until high school, but it was martial arts. Yeah, I mean, I pl- so I played soccer when I was like 10 for yeah. a couple of years right. or something. Um, but there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of like team camaraderie happening at that right. point. It was just like... I, all I knew was my, my dad was waking, m- making me wake up early on a Saturday morning, go out and play soccer, and I was just like, are we going to get pizza after this or what? <laughs> um, which we did, and it was awesome. Um, <laughs> totally worth But it. supporting the team, like just that, that camaraderie aspect of like making the, the satisfaction, the, it's kind of the same satisfaction I get when I coach mm-hmm. an athlete or a team at a competitive level, and you, you formulate a plan, and you watch it execute on the field, and it works well. Yeah. It's like that same thing in the mix. I love like kind of strategizing and, and giving directions and kind of playing. Uh, like for us, I, I, I was kind of like team captain and kind of making calls on who was going to do what. And um, I just, that's just really satisfying to me. Yeah. Um, and I think 
it's probably more so satisfying because a lot of teams seem to just show up and they're just, oh, whatever happens, happens. We're all yeah. just going to go out there and work out. And, and I like going out there having a plan um, and executing it, and that's just so satisfying. And I love seeing uh, those kind of PRs happen, whether they're in the shape of, like, Christine just hitting more kind of single-arm thrusters than she thought, or Chelsea, did she PR her jerk, or did she, like, match I, PR? I don't know. I think she, uh, she Like, it was, it was either at... It's like a 175 jerk, and it was yeah. just, like, you could see her face when it... It, it was a really satisfying-looking lift. It just yeah. went off really well, and you could see on her face, it was just like, oh, and the confidence was there, because then she slapped 195 on the yeah. bar, and damn near locked Yeah, I up, mean, so. like, the conversation leading up to that for Chelsea, like, we had... We, it was very intentional. We had to split jerk. Like, it was... Yeah. Uh, a distance run followed by one front squat, one split jerk for max weight. And Chelsea had zero confidence going in because she just doesn't split jerk that often. And I think in reality, like a lot of kind of traditional crossfitters don't do a lot of split jerks, right? Um, like, I mean, yeah, and also in her a, case, she's a really strong athlete. So yeah. She doesn't need, she's, right. I think more often than not, probably maybe uh, either not cleaning enough weight to need to worry about the jerk, or she's just better at like push pressing, or yeah. just kind of muscles her way through the lift. Yeah, I mean she's she's strong. She was a thrower in school, like all through college. Like she's got just a power the athlete. strongest legs probably out of any female yeah. in our gym. Um, so getting just, that solid not a dip, lot of getting that solid dip drive and getting under the bar yeah. is a little bit foreign to some of those. Especially athletes. yeah, in that split stance, yeah. right? So yeah, she like you said, she hit. She hit, what, 175? 75, I believe. Went for 190 at the end, and like you said, was damn close to getting yeah, it. Like, just looked real really, really good. So, two massive um, successes from our female athletes. Yeah. So, you know, I think in, in, in summary, I encourage anyone who's like an, an avid CrossFitter or a hobbyist, get out and compete once or twice. It doesn't have to be the most competitive thing ever. It can be intermediate, it can be scaled, whatever. It can be Festivus games. Yeah, and that's um, what you, you alluded to what I was just going to say. It's like even if you're not like used to RXing every workout in the gym, it's like Festivus is out yeah. there. It's a super fun comp. It's relatively close. Um, I've sent a ton of athletes over my time coaching to it. Um, I think like Girls Gone RX is coming up soon, like yeah. real soon. Yeah, Teams of three females. Uh, there's always, you know, and talk to Corey. Like Corey's got... yeah. All of but the it's, competitions. It's great within. to um, get out outside of your gym because I think you brought that up maybe on Saturday. Like it's just great to not be. It's so different just to yeah. be somewhere else yeah. competing. And I and I think about that when like when we took the team to Granite Games. Like they went out on an actual like the Vikings practice yeah. field. Yeah. Very official, and that's just a cool. I mean that's part of why we sent the team when we given the the difficult decision we had to send Kelly as an individual or send a team, we sent the team because we thought we want to give these people this experience. Um, so yeah, like give yourself that experience. Yeah. And you never know, like next year, you might not be able to have that experience. Yeah. Maybe you're planning on having a family or something. Yeah. It's like, and, uh, and support some local comps because yeah. uh, like I said, I think it's, it's, all kind of a, it's kind of a dying, um, a dying breed a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a shame. It is a shame. It is but a I, shame. It, it's hard for me to say too, because in, in closing, like, I don't, th things are just, the whole, the whole um, landscape is different now. Yeah. Like, I mean, the gym we're in is very different from where sure. we started. Um, I, I'm throwing a post up on Instagram. It's a, a photo of our original gym. And it's like, you got to stop sometimes. And then this, this last weekend kind of got me a little bit retrospective and thinking about like where our gym started and kind of what our, what our goals were and what our attitude was. Um, and what we th what we thought was important and 
what mattered and, and things are just different now. We're in a much, you know, our facility is a great example. It's a much more large, more serious um, facility and the whole landscape of CrossFit has changed. So I don't know if yeah, the, that necessarily just means that some of these smaller local comps just aren't going to be as popular, but I don't, I think there's a place for them. Yeah, And I think that, that more people need to partake. Yeah, 100%. And we need more people, maybe like us, to to host local comps and, yeah. and make sure they're good. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let us know what you think in the comments. Shoot us a message or uh, shoot us a comment if you think we should host a local competition. Mm. Mm. Uh, maybe we will, maybe we will. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but thanks for tuning in as always and tune in next time to the Game of Strategy podcast. I'm Andrew Essig. Sean Crocker. We'll see you next time. See you guys.